When you talk to donors about your organization, is your focus on the money or on the mission? If you're too laser focused on the financial side of your operations, you're missing out on the chance to share your passion with the donor. For this podcast episode, Richard and I are off. So we've invited a special guest to join Karen Kendrick, our Senior Director of Learning, to help us discover what it means to speak in terms of your mission. Luke Wilson, CEO of Arosha Canada, will share how focusing on his organization's mission has transformed his conversation with donors. And as you're listening in, think about your own elevator pitch and whether it's working to engage donors with your mission in a meaningful way. Welcome to the Nothing But Major Gifts podcast from Veritas Group, featuring Richard Perry and Jeff Schreifels. Twice a month, we bring you the latest and best thinking about major gift fundraising, so you can develop authentic relationships with your major donors. Here are your hosts, Richard and Jeff. Welcome to the podcast today. I'm Karen Kendrick. Richard and Jeff are off today. Recently, we received an inspiring note from one of our coaches about Luke Wilson, CEO at Arasha, an environmental stewardship organization. Luke also manages a small caseload as part of his role and is committed to taking the Veritas way to heart. Luke is able to shift his conversations to be more open and meaningful by moving from a posture of talking about money to talking about mission. The shift has been transformational for him, and so we invited him to join the podcast today. Welcome, Luke, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Karen. It's good to be here. It's good to have you, Luke. Thank you so much. And I want you to do a quick introduction before we get started so people can hear a little bit more about you. That sounds good. So uh, Arasha is a mix of biologists, birders, and Bible folk. Uh, I know that one's not as in vogue as uh, maybe faith-based, but we're we're trying to live out God's call to care for creation and uh, equip others to do likewise. So we've got uh, community-based conservation projects around the world. Uh, here in Canada, I'm responsible for four nature centers. And uh, if you visit one of these places, it's it's alive with uh, kids running around through forests and rivers and uh, you know, as many different species of animal that we can uh, uh, find and track and, and take care of as best as we can, their habitat. Uh, and it's also got quite a community feel to it. So uh, at our center, particularly in BC on the west coast of Canada, uh, you'll see meals with about 50 people at lunchtime most days. So uh, it's a beautiful expression and a hands-on expression of trying to take care of, of the planet and uh, this gift that we've been given. I love that. You're talking my language. I, nature and animals and kids and community. That's beautiful. Tell us a little bit about yourself as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I got involved with Arasha uh, 2009, summer of 2009. And uh, I had always had uh, both environment and faith as part of my upbringing. Uh, my grandfather was a, an engineer that designed wastewater treatment plants, and my dad finished his career in hydrogen energy, which is wow. kind of a, a new energy source that uh, might provide some hope for uh, emissions reductions. Uh, and so, you know, those conversations were alive and real through my upbringing. And, 
And it was only natural when I found Arasha to bring together faith and environment. Um, so when I showed up at uh, one of our centers in BC, um, had a beautiful local meal under Douglas fir trees and a harvest table with lots of people sitting around. And I just felt like, oh, I'm home. These are my people. Uh, so I started volunteering at that time. I cut and grass on the big lawnmower through our nature oh, center. Cool. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, you know, raising support is part of our uh, staff fundraising model. So the uh, president at the time, Marku, uh, one of the founders, uh, asked, hey, would I like to raise some support? And I'd never done that before, but uh, I started doing that and um, I kind of enjoyed it. Uh, it. You know, it's got a... At first, it's a bit nerve wracking and there's a challenge to it, but I really enjoyed getting to be with people and um, hear their stories and see them come alive when, uh, when they heard about the mission. And um, so fast forward to today, uh, I've been in the leadership role at Arasha since 2019, um, just before the pandemic. And mm. um, yeah, so it's been quite a bit of fundraising, uh, lots of work with a board, um, leading our leaders is a big part of my role. And then uh, I'm, I'm a liaison with our international organization. So I get to spend quite a bit of time with uh, leaders around the world. And it's a great privilege and joy. Um, from Hamilton, Ontario, uh, sort of the end of the Great Lakes, Great Lake, Ontario. Um, and uh, I've got a family of five and a little cute uh, cockapoo. Um, and we just love our neighborhood and the parks. And uh, when I don't have, uh, when I didn't have kids, I was beekeeping quite a bit. So that was ah. one of my hobbies that connects with, uh, with my work. So I love doing that. That's so cool. Thank you for sharing all that. Yeah, okay. Welcome. So first we want to set the problem up, right? That we see in so many nonprofits. The approach that many nonprofit leaders take with donors is to focus on the money versus talking about the mission and really understanding donors' passions and interests and how that then connects, right, to the mission. So, Luke, I know you've made this transition as an executive director. You're carrying a caseload as well. So can you share a little bit about the challenges you initially faced and how you approach this? Um, and then what are some of the results? Share some stories or story with us to get us started, and we'll dive a little bit more into this. Yeah. So, I mean, I've been fundraising for almost 14 years now. And uh, I think that even up to up until recently, it's been difficult to uh, not put the money first. Mm -hmm. um, and Veritas was part of learning how to put donors at the center and put mission alongside that. Um, you know, learning the Veritas model of um, discovering passions and interests of donors and trying to have meaningful conversations, uh, not just transactional, where you're trying to get to that point of uh, a gift or, mm -hmm. you know, maybe we'll talk about a gift. Um, that was, that's a temptation uh, in this work. And and I'd be lying to say that, you know, I, I've perfected it or I'm fully uh, done with that model. It's, it's hard. Oh, come to on. You got this down. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Such humbleness. <laughs> yeah. Right. Uh, but you know, I think 
I think I'll, I'll share a story in a minute, but um, what I'd love to dive into after that is uh, I think part of it is how do we measure success? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, are we just, are we measuring success based on the numbers and the money or are we measuring success uh, from what I've learned with Veritas by was this conversation meaningful? Um, so, you know, a story that comes to mind and part of the reason uh, you invited me on this podcast so graciously um, was just at the tail end of the summer. Um, I, I felt like I needed to shift my approach a little bit. I needed to shift my energy and time. Um, and I find the summer is a good time to test things. So I was doing a training course um, uh, on networking and um, I was thinking about the fundraising season, you know, typically from September to December is a more intense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and I, I think I put into practice some of the things that Veritas had taught and some of the things that I learned in this networking uh, course. And um, I bumped into a friend of mine uh, and she asked the classic question, you know, how are things going at Arasha? And um, when, when I have those uh, impromptu conversations in the past, I think at times I would shy away from, uh, putting the, my full energy and heart out there, you know, for fear that, okay, somebody's worrying that, uh, I'm going to just ask them for money. Mm. And so that would, that would in the past make me avoid sort of digging in deeper to, um, the story and the mission. But this time I felt like I could share with a new degree of passion and energy. Hey, you know what? it's been, it's been a really exciting summer. Um, our, all our leaders gathered in France and I got to meet many of them for the first time. Uh, and it was filled with this real sense of joy and hospitality. And, and our mission, uh, is this global, uh, global group of people, uh, taking seriously this call to, to do hands-on conservation work. And I, I was inspired by so many of the people who are doing that in tough contexts. And, um, and, and then I went into a, a bit more of a local story, you know, and, and in Canada, we're, um, we're excited about this heritage barn renovation where we can welcome more people and, and teach more kids. And, and I kind of left it there, but, there was clearly curiosity and interest from this person's uh, story. And so we got into a great conversation. I didn't feel like I needed to ask for money. I didn't feel like, uh, you know, it got into a donor kind of conversation, even though it was. Uh Uh, And then three weeks later, lo and behold, she texts me and she says, uh, you know, that conversation was a really good one. And, I got to know about your work and I'm on this board with a thrift store that uh, likes to tithe. And, um, and would you, you know, be open to a proposal? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I'll, I'll confess that at first I thought, oh, okay, should this be my work or should I hand this off to another fundraiser? Is this, is this where I should invest my time? And then she said, yeah, they give away a hundred thousand to 200,000 quarterly. Wow. 
quarterly. Quarterly. <laughs> a generous, a very generous thrift store. Um, so fast forward, we did the proposal. I worked with her. We didn't get the gift. So this isn't like a heroic success story, but maybe it is uh, because I did develop a deeper relationship with this person. And I feel like uh, she's in, in, in the mix of our mission. She's a partner now. Mm. Um, so I fully expect that down the road, uh, we'll be having more conversations. Uh, she'll be keeping her eyes out for opportunities that fit our mission and, and vision. And um, yeah, and, and I didn't feel like I had to sell something or sell my soul to, to really develop a meaningful relationship. Wow, there's so much to unpack in that. I, <laughs> I love actually that the story didn't end in the money <laughs> because it is about creating those real authentic partnerships. And, and when we say donor, you know, the donor at the center, we never mean the donors driving your mission or your programs or any of that stuff that can happen in our world. But it's really about how to bring them alongside, find out their interests and passions. But what's interesting to me is when we feel like we have to go after the money, you were mentioning that you would have just not talked that much, right? Um, it can either, it can kind of shut us down or make us obnoxious because then we're, then we're like every conversation, we're looking for the angle to bring that in. And I know what that feels like when someone's doing that to me, like they're not really there to listen or be with me or care about my heart. They're just looking for like, oh, since you mentioned that, <laughs> we've got this thing. Um, so it was beautiful that you practicing being present to her and present to your passion and connecting all that led to such a nice opportunity. And as you see, it's, it was a meaningful connection. And now you've got a lifetime partner that who knows where to go. Exactly. It's, exactly. it's so funny. Like, you know, in nonprofits, we're about a mission. All of us have something we're passionate about. And then it seems like we forget that those we're serving, the staff, the staff at our nonprofit, the donors that we're all humans and need to create this, like we need to be around that table under the fir trees, like you mentioned, like we need th that community. We need to all be listening to each other, present to each other, learning from each other versus sort of this, we're just going to use everybody to get a mission accomplished um, and maybe never even have those authentic connections and partnerships. So I exactly. love that story. Um, and, and the opposite shuts down conversation so quickly. You know, you, you can just see it when, when uh, you, you, and I've done it and I've been there, <laughs> you know, when, yeah, when yeah. you approach it from that money perspective, people lose interest really fast. And, mm -hmm. and, you know, we're, like you said, we're, we're creatures of the heart. And, uh, and so we can sense that really fast and, uh, but on the on the flip side, when we're talking about mission, people light up and they they lean in and they connect. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll talk what that I think we'll break that down a little bit more. What does it mean to talk about mission? Because in the past, some nonprofits are just like, we do this and we do that and we're great. Um, so we'll break some of that down here in a little bit, mm -hmm. too, because that's important. So, Luke, I love that story. Um, I would love to hear more from you about why you think fundraisers and leaders struggle so much to move from conversations focused on money, you know, that fear-based, I got to make this happen to being focused on mission and relationship. Well, I think first it goes back to 
how we measure success. Mm. Um, it's so tempting to measure success by numbers and particularly dollar signs and mm -hmm. the number of digits behind that dollar sign. Uh, and I, I think we're ingrained in that kind of culture from young ages. So um, I'm not saying that that's bad inherently, but I think it's very easy to put the dollar sign as the top measure of success. Mm -hmm. um, so I think the way to combat that struggle is, um, is to practice uh, pressing into meaningful conversations with people. And then even going back and reflecting on those conversations and not paying attention to just the numbers or how, how high of a capacity this person had. Um, but did we have a meaningful connection? Uh, did, did something new spark for this person or uh, were they truly engaged? Could you see it in their eyes that, uh, mm. that they were excited about um, the potential of, of doing something good in the world, making a difference? Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's one of the reasons we struggle. Um, and then I think the other is the heart posture of scarcity uh, compared to abundance. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm familiar with this one too. Uh, it, you know, it's, it, I've, I've learned a lot about um, the, the dance between those things. I don't, I don't think you're ever fully in one category uh, all the time. Um, but, uh, you know, the scarcity mentality says Christmas is coming. I've got to do as much fundraising as I can uh, so I can hit the target by the end of Christmas. Um, whereas I think the abundance mentality recognizes, you know, I, I'm going to do what, what, uh, I should do in this time. I've got a plan, uh, especially if you've got a caseload and, um, you know, if you're using the Veritas model of, of having a plan for every donor, uh, I'm just going to faithfully do what I've said I should do in this time uh, to the best of my ability. And, and I'm not in control of the, the end result. Um, I can only do the work. And, um, and so I think I've made that switch, uh, especially the calendar year end where it's not as much of a panic um, because as I've experienced fundraising, I've realized, yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen at the end of the year. Uh, sometimes I'm, I'm surprised both ways, you know, <laughs> a, a really surprising gift comes in that I had nothing to do with uh, or the number is a lot lower than what I expected. And if I'm, if I'm uh, swayed by that, you know, up and down of different uh, numbers, then, uh, you know, I, I, it takes me away from being in that abundance mentality where I, I want to be grateful for uh, the gifts that have been given because it's, it's, uh, it's coming from a place of generosity and openness and, uh, and, and people's connection with, with doing something good in the world. So I think those are the two big reasons why uh, I struggle and, and maybe people struggle. Yeah, those are beautiful. I was thinking about the whole um, fear-based, that pressure 
um, especially in the fall, the holiday season. I've got to, I've got to make it all happen. And if we're, if our top priority that we're valuing is getting the money in the door, and we don't have a relationship, a plan, a long-term look at where we are with the donor, where we want to go, working toward that. It's so easy to get into, okay, I got to thank them really quickly and ask again. I got to ask more. It's our whole system internally is going to be tight, right? Tight in fight and flight, in fear. And that's the vibe, the emotions, the body language we're coming across to donors with. Um, and just how that shuts down creating connection and meaningful conversations and like being with them and kind of tuning in to what's coming up and what they're excited about. You're just like, what do you see in their eyes and when they light up and then journeying on down that path. Um, so talk a little bit about what, what helped you? you? You mentioned like the Veritas, we have a plan and goal for every donor. Like talk a little bit about that transition from, I'm sure we, like we all, we all slide back into fear. That's fairly normal, but that what helped you lean into trusting that more relationship focused approach? Yeah. Uh, great question. I, you know, I think uh, I like systems. So having a place where I could go back and on the plan and say, Oh, here's what I did last time. Uh, and here's what happened in the conversation. Mm. Um, I think that gives me more confidence to know, is this the right time to invite somebody into a conversation about a proposal or a project? Um, you know, sometimes I sense when I look back at what's happened in the relationship, oh, you know what? I think we need more time, and and I'll I'll have a, a touch point that's more of a you made a difference touch point and see what happens there. Mm-hmm. Um, and other times, um, I'm surprised where somebody in the midst of the conversation says, "Hey, you know what? Like you sent me this um, this news story, and it really inspired me because I connected with with." Um, you know, the salmon project that you're working on. And I really love fish. And, uh, and I feel like there's an open door to say, Hey, we've, we've actually got, uh, you know, we're working on a, a, a hatchery and, um, and this is an area that you might want to be invested in. Uh, do you want to have a conversation about that? So I think the plan gives freedom to, uh, to listen to the donor and where they're actually at, but then also to remember what the past connections been and not make a decision for a person, but sort of um, take me out of the, it, it takes me out of my head or the sort of the dance of, um, oh, what should I do? Um, and, and sort of gives me some direction for the relationship and and maybe what's next in terms of the connection point. Um, yeah, I think that's, there's, there's probably more there, but uh, <laughs> we'll keep good. digging. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about those, those conversations, right. That you just mentioned you had in your story. And, you know, so many times when you talk to donors, you're like, tell me about, you know, why you started giving to our organization, what's kept you here. And they're just like, I just love you all. You're great. Right. They, they say these sort of broad 
um, feedback. And so it's not always easy to know like what the tools we use our permission-based asking model, communication model at Veritas, but talk a little bit about your journey of, of getting, developing those skills. I'm sure you already had many of them, but really honing those skills on having those meaningful conversations. What helped you in that journey? We see that a lot. Uh, and the, that being, uh, I just love the whole big picture of the organization. Cause you, you know, we use the term creation care. That's a massive, <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities of what that could be. Um, and, you know, honestly, people have been drawn into Arasha because of the story, because of the bigger story. Um, if they're a person of faith, it's often the biblical story and sort of this capturing their imagination that, um, that it's part of what it means to be a person of faith, to, to care for God's creation. Um, and so it, it has been difficult for us to shift not that that's a bad start. I think that's a, a great start, but to really get to know a person and why, why did that, uh, that big vision inspire them? Um, you know, I, I think you, you have to get into their story. Um, so Veritas has given great framework and questions and, um, and sort of helped me in that dance of in, interrogation versus in a bit of investigation like and <laughs> and inspiration on on the positive side um so knowing when to ask an open question that uh that you know uh opens the door to their story and why they care about uh eagles or why they care about trees or uh this particular place and you know often the uh, the way that I go about it is to ask them about where they're, where they live, what they like mm -hmm. about the, the place that they're in. Um, and because every place is so different, there's a unique story uh, behind, you know, why they walk along the trail at this particular river and what they, when they love to see this woodpecker on that tree. And, uh, and I think because, you know, because their heart is for nature, they've, they've often got a story that, mm. um, that either inspired them as a kid or, or a practice that they do now. Um, and those stories usually tell me where, where I can start to focus in on their passions and interests. Um, and then from there, I, I try and uh, ask them, you know, a transitioning question and an open question that tries to dig into uh is this program area the right fit for you you know you said you said you really enjoyed uh being a a camp counselor uh at uh, at the lake and so do you like environmental education like is that what you really love um because we've got kids running around our centers and it feels a lot like camp um do you want to talk a little bit more about that so it's, it's connecting with their story and, and a particular place and time. And then, um, and then sharing a little bit about the, the amazing, you know, stories that happen every day in our work and, and trying to bridge that, that world um, so they can imagine and see 
what's happening on the ground with, uh, with the work that Arash is facilitating and, and really make that leap from, okay, I want to support Arasha to here's the difference I want to make in the world. Here's the impact I want to make. Um, and it's a journey. It doesn't just happen in one conversation. So. Mm-hmm. I love that. So instead of being like, you know, I've been reviewing your donations with us for the last several years. You usually give 5,000 and 10,000. Would you consider a gift of 15 this year to help us versus being on the journey of getting to know them, their passions, connecting them, sharing back the difference, and then saying things like, hey, there's a new project or there's some things we're working on. Are you interested in talking further about the need there? And then going into what that is, that's such a different space than, hey, you gave 5,000 last year, would you consider 10? Um, Which has no connection to heart or passion or story or meaning. It's just grabbing getting the money right (laughs) that's right that's right and you know as as a ceo i'm looking at the reports and the numbers on a regular basis so it's tempting for me (laughs) to to go oh our budget's a little low i need to go reach out to this person and say hey we're not going to meet our budget but that's just dull no Mm. nobody wants to support a budget um whereas if if i'm you know, doing my best to connect with what are the stories on the ground and I've got something fresh mm-hmm. um, that I can share with somebody. That's, I think that's part of the role too, is even as a leader in the organization, trying to stay connected with real stories of impact on the ground so that you can speak with integrity and, and with passion when those moments come to, uh, to shift away from the numbers and the money side and, and to the impact that's possible. What's popping up into my head is also bringing in sort of the opposite in the sense that as we're, as we're building this connection and community, we have to also watch our own story about money, right? So if I'm really good at building community, finding interests and passions, telling the difference, but I'm not willing to ask boldly or believe that bigger things are possible um, or don't ask for direct amounts or um, wait too long out of fear. I'll, you can't, if, if you use our permission-based asking model, you really can't offend a donor because you're asking permission the whole time if they're ready to have the conversation, even if they're ready to hear the ask amount. Um, so that's, talk a little bit about your journey there of, unpacking your relationship to money and being really courageous and generous and putting big possibilities in front of donors and how that's different within the context of the relational fundraising model. Yeah, great question. Well, I, I'm not sure if it was through Veritas, but uh, I heard recently that, you know, asking for a large gift isn't offensive. It, it, you know, it, it actually opens up the door to say, here's, here's an opportunity I think you could be part of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, if, if, you've, if you've used the permission-based model, you're not going to offend a person, even by a large aspirational gift. And, and on the tail end, uh, using that uh, circle of, of connecting, um, even if they're saying no, which which I experienced recently in that story of, of the thrift store and, and the relationship there, you know, I, I had the ability in my, um, 
in, in my training and practice to not be overcome by that. No, that that was a dig on me or a dig on the organization, or, you know, that was a sign of it not being successful. I actually had the ability to say, thank you. Like, thanks for walking with me in this journey. And uh, here's, you know, here's a little story about uh, the way that uh, people do make a difference and um, not letting that no be the end. I think that's part of the story, but you're asking about, um, you know, the, the number and, and when do you, you know, not shying away from actually putting specifics mm-hmm. in front of people. And I, th- I think um, when I'm following my plan, I've pre-thought about where's the right stage to present a proposal or to ask. And part of that is, you know, after working with Diana, realizing she's my Veritas coach, um, realizing that let's use historical giving as a, a, a placeholder for mm-hmm. where in the year might I want to ask. But as I am relating with that person, um, oftentimes I'll hear something that they say and it'll connect with uh, a project that's going on. And uh, I'll think I I may need to bring that to them because if, if I didn't, I would be missing an opportunity and they would be missing an opportunity to do, to make a difference and to do something that they want to do in the world. So even though I've got a plan, I'm also finding moments where, uh, you know, there's a real need and, and uh, I want to share that with you because I think you might be interested in this. And that's because I know the person and I know the work and, and I'm just bridge building. Um, you know, we, there's a, a per- person who likes energy efficiency and, uh, uh, the story that comes to mind is we need a heat pump in one of our nature centers. And so I thought, oh, this, this person would want to know that this is a need right now. So, yeah, I think it's, it's a combination of sticking with your plan and, and uh, seeing that anticipating, oh, three months from now, there's, there's a big number, a big, uh, you know, a big ask coming up. And what am I doing to prepare for that? Um, and then also being willing to be flexible a little bit based on the needs in the organization and, and the potential impact that a person could make. Uh, I love that because it can be so easy to get trapped in this annual giving mentality. They, you know, they give every December, I won't, I'll leave them alone. I'll just send them some touch points. And so it's more about what do they care about and what, what comes up as a possibility. Maybe they, we have a lot of stories of donors, you know, giving even a bigger gift than normal in December. And then in January, February, something comes up and being offered the opportunity and giving again significantly and being thrilled about it. So, you know, we limit ourselves in thinking sometimes around um, when they give, how much they give. And so instead of us deciding for them, be in relationship and see what's com- what comes up and what possibilities to share. I love that. That's right. I've got one more story there, Karen, if I could share it. Yes. Um, So I think the other side is patience is required. Mm. Uh, You know, I'd been in a conversation with someone for two years and, uh, and I, 
I'd been coached by Diana to not give up um, mm-hmm. and, and to be patient. And I'd continued to foster relationship and get to know their passions and interests and learn that this person was a water guy. He, that, that was his phrase. I'm a water guy. So <laughs> I would just keep uh, sharing stories about our work with rivers and, and, uh, and first nations. And, um, and, uh, he, you know, gave me a number of reasons why right now wasn't the right time. And I said, Oh, that's fine. But, uh, just this past winter, we got to the point of him saying, okay, we're ready, but it had been two years. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's, it's even though you have a plan and even though you keep relating again, you're, you're not in control of the, the end results. Um, so that's more of the, the number, the gift came in, in the end, but, uh, it, it takes patience as well. I love that. I'm a water guy. <laughs> yes. I love the, I love going into all meetings with donors thinking from the perspective of I, I'm doing a good job if I'm present to them, I'm listening, I'm learning, I'm creating a meaningful conversation. And if they say yes, no, or maybe to whatever I'm offering or asking, that's great information. And I can celebrate the success of learning more versus I'm only doing a good job if I go in and they say yes to a gift (laughs) or yes to a meeting or yes to a visit or whatever it might be. So I love that. So to close this out, Luke, what advice would you like to give to a nonprofit leader? You've given a lot of great ideas and input here who are trying to make this change themselves. They're wanting to move from that sort of fear-based money directed to more relational mission. Uh, what do you want to say to them? Yeah, thanks, Karen. And it's been a privilege to, to share with, uh, with you and hopefully your wider audience. Um, so I, I think I'll go back to where I started uh, I like to practice things in the summer. You know, it feels like people are a bit more relaxed. You know, there isn't this uh, pressure of the giving season. And so I I would just say um, practice through the summer and, Mm. and practice with, with uh, people who don't have high capacity um, so that you, you maybe you don't feel as much pressure um, but when you, when you're asked, uh, how's it going with your work or how's it going with your organization or, um, you know, how you doing, um, that you, you take that opportunity as an invitation and, and then really listen to see, does this person want to hear more or, or is it just sort of the usual niceties of, uh, of, I just wanted to say hello. And um, so, yeah, I would say just practicing. And, uh, and then the second thing I think that came up in our conversation was what do you celebrate? Mm. You know, do you, do you just celebrate the, the big numbers or do you truly celebrate uh, the person that you're talking with, the stories that come out of that, the depth of relationship Um and if they're if they're moving towards wanting to make an impact, and and I think though that will give you a sense of are you following the money or are you truly trying to make build partnerships that make a difference in the world? Love that. 
Thank you so much. It's a beautiful closing. Thank you, Luke, for joining me today for this episode. And we hope this has inspired you to shift your approach from being focused on the money to be focused more on the mission and the relationship and the partnership. If you have more questions about having more meaningful conversations with your donors, you can check out our free white paper called How to Create Meaningful Connections with Your Donors. And if you want to go deeper, you can sign up for our on-demand course on creating meaningful connections, which will give you a comprehensive training on how to measure meaningful connections, build relational communication plans, and really build those relationships. Both of these resources are linked in the show notes below. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Luke. And hey, we'll you're you welcome. Time. Thank you for joining us for the Nothing But Major Gifts podcast from Veritas Group. Richard and Jeff also write an ongoing blog that you can subscribe to for free at veritasgroup.com. Please join us again next time.